0: Welcome to the Working Spouse Club, the podcast for today's professional military spouse. Join your host, Joanna DeMont, CEO of Green Zone Corporate Training, and Catherine Prince, founder and principal recruiter at The Spouse Solution, as we embark on a mission to challenge stereotypes, celebrate accomplishments, and provide a roadmap to professional success for military spouses. Each episode features inspiring guests who have successfully balanced their careers with the demands of military life. Expect candid conversations, humorous anecdotes, and valuable insights that will leave you feeling motivated and validated. How are you doing today, Catherine?
1: I'm a little sleepy today. How are you, Joanna?
0: You know, I'm I'm doing well. I went to a networking event this morning. So I'm kind of I'm kind of talked out, but I'm so excited about our guest that I'm just gonna continue going today. And I am, yes very excited about our guest today. Dr. Stephanie Brown has a PhD in industrial organizational psychology from Texas A&M, is a human capital consultant with ICF, and an Air Force spouse. I cannot wait to dive in. There's a particular topic that Catherine and I are very excited about that Stephanie has done a lot of research in. Before we dig in, how are you today, Stephanie?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
1: We are so excited. Joanne and I have been talking about this episode nonstop since we originally were like, we should do a podcast about the military spouse working experience. And so (laughs) we we are just so excited that we found you because in my opinion, you are like a a mythical beast, a unicorn (laughs) with your expertise that we were able to find to have this amazing conversation with us today. So again, welcome. We always start with the same question and that is when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, goodness. I feel like that changed, changed
2: a bit over time as it happens. At one point, I was really into being a chef. I really liked watching Emeril Lagasse on the Food Network, and I thought I was (laughs) destined for chefhood and absolutely was not. So (laughs) I picked up just enough skills to make some some good dinners, but couldn't make it my life choice. Not at all.
1: Would have been some late nights. So I think you dodged a bullet there. Absolutely. Um, That's hilarious. We haven't had that answer before. So it's always fun with anyone. We get a lot of writer, teacher, lawyer. So that's, that's fun and exciting. Well, what we're talking about today is MLMs and it is like the juiciest topic in the world. And I, I'm so excited to dig into this with you. Just maybe as a, a slight warning to our listeners this could be sensitive or uncomfortable for some people who are you know potentially in mlms so just know that we're hoping to have this conversation with somebody who's incredibly knowledgeable about it to talk about maybe more the con side of, of the mlm industry in relation to military spouses but Let's start. I'd love to hear about your career. Tell us about how things have gone and how did we get to this <laughs> amazing PhD and all of this juicy knowledge that we're going to dig into today.
2: Yeah. So it's uh, really interesting. I I got married when I was in undergrad and I was, I think it was just a few days, really like maybe a month before my my 21st birthday. So I was young and my fiancé, boyfriend at the time, had just joined the Air Force. We met in college in an ROTC program and he went from Washington State where we both were down to Florida. I stayed up there. I was, you know, very insistent that I was going to finish out college at my actual college. So we were doing the long-distance geo-batch thing for a while And when I graduated college in 2009, if you remember around that lovely time, the job market was terrible. (laughs) And I went down there with a psychology degree and hopes of doing great things and found absolutely nothing down in the panhandle for me. And at that time, there was a lot of uh, talk in place about having these portable uh, military spouse friendly careers and none of them were at all interesting to me so if you know the MyCAA program which will provide funding for you know certain military spouses at certain ranks yeah i really couldn't find anything good there uh, i had options to be like a massage therapist um, but again i had my bachelor's degree in psychology and wanted to go into something related to that um, i could be a vet tech not at all interested. Um, so I floundered for a good long while before deciding that uh, I wanted to go to grad school. Um, my early days before grad school were a lot of volunteering, just kind of piecemeal work. I I worked as a docent at the Pensacola Museum in downtown Pensacola. I got to dress up in you know Victorian-era clothing, which was fun, but again, not anything long-term that I wanted to do. And then when I when I started doing my applications to grad school, I started applying or started volunteering rather at the University of West Florida in their Industrial Organizational Psychology program, and that was where I really flourished and and kind of went from there to to grad school at Texas A and M, where we did the geo batch thing again. I really wanted to make sure that I went to a solid program. Texas A and M was it. They're very military, family friendly. And yeah, that was that was how I ended up in Texas
0: excellent. so you you really did have this interesting path. and I, I bet that the docent is maybe maybe not on your <laughs> resume. So <laughs> for those out there looking at military spouse resumes, know that there is always so much more. And there's always one little tidbit job that's that's really fun. i I taught English and grammar at the staff NCO Academy in Okinawa, Japan. And not something that was related to my degree, but uh, so much fun. So, docent dressing up in Victoria-era clothing may be the most unique yet, and we will will have to see. Catherine went on Facebook and asked (laughs) for an expert in MLMs or multi-level marketing organizations. Can you tell me what an MLM is?
2: So, a lot of people will get MLMs confused with pyramid schemes. So pyramid schemes are illegal. MLMs are not, but there is a lot of overlap between them. in In multi-level marketing, it's basically a tiered system where you are taking goods from an organization and you are getting them out to your the public, <laughs> the people that are going to buy them. Um, but usually with MLMs, you have this system, where you are trying to recruit people underneath you to sell whatever it is you're trying to get out there. And you usually make some sort of commission uh, based off of getting people into your organization and then based off of how much they sell. So again, it's very pyramid shaped, (laughs) even if it's not technically a pyramid scheme and, and, There's also similarly like direct sales, which is just being able to get that stuff out directly to the consumers. It's this idea that you're cutting out the the middleman and going straight to, you know, from the consumer to the organization. But a lot of people get involved in these multi-level marketing organizations underneath someone. You're usually not like the first person in a, a line. So you have your upline, which is whoever recruited you into the organization, and then you have your downline, which are the people that you've recruited into the organization.
1: And so tell us about how you found yourself getting this knowledge. Am I correct in thinking that your PhD was actually on this topic?
2: So my dissertation was on this topic. In general, my background was on workplace mistreatment. And so I, I did a lot of research on workplace sexual harassment right around the time the, the Me Too campaign started, which wow. was very interesting. But I wanted a little change of pace from studying sexual harassment because that can get very depressing. And as a military spouse, I was always interested in the people I knew who got involved in multi-level marketing. I had... Friends that obviously, adjo- and, you know, if you've been a military spouse long enough, you know someone who's who's selling stuff. And it was always interesting to me to see these very bright, intelligent, hardworking folks do multi-level marketing because it was it was these military spouses, and then it was like the friends from high school who, you know, maybe never left the hometown, and they would hit you up years later with a, hey, hon, what you doing, type of communication. And I really wanted to know why people were joining. And I had some ideas. I think I had some very biased ideas. And then as you go through uh, military spousehood, you start to realize, like, yeah, it's it's kind of difficult to get what you think of as your run-of-the-mill job. And so you can see why people start to turn to multi-level marketing. But I was also interested, knowing that 99.7% of people, according to the Federal Trade Commission, lose money in MLMs. And that's not that they only make a little bit of money or they break even, that is they actually lose money. And I wanted to know why, if you're losing money, why are you staying with these mlms so that was you know one of those things i had always had in the back of my mind and when it came time to pick a dissertation topic that was what i decided to pursue
1: that's so
0: interesting yeah that 99.7 percent lose lose money and that's not that's obviously not in any marketing materials for somebody to become Uh, a member or (laughs) an at-home seller. And I do want to preface this by saying, you know, there is no judgment here. I myself have been a part of two MLMs as a, a, and I won't say the names as a, I'll say I was a coach Mm -hmm. and there were some lotions and products. I did not enter into those to make money, which really upset my upline. I did it for the discount on the product. So yeah. I most certainly did lose all of the money in your research. So are these, are MLMs like, are they all kind of, do they have the same program? Is there like a a call to action that's for a specific group or, or is there a a way that they get the in that's like the same across the board or similar?
2: You know, in talking with the folks I did during my, my dissertation and, to kind of give a background on on what I did for my dissertation. I started off with a survey, I reached out to people uh, via social media um, because you know, there's a large, I guess you could call it an influencer community, um, but a lot of military spouses that are involved in MLMs have these business pages where they reach out. So I kind of like reverse MLM to them and <laughs> went out and said, hey, would you mind taking a survey on this stuff? Uh, and then I also did some follow-up interviews. But when I reached out to people, it was a lot less of the the hey hun type of recruitment that used to be in the past, the the kind of cold calling or cold messaging that you used to do. And a lot of it now is kind of a, an influencer type recruitment technique where you're kind of generating interest and, and and kind of pretending that there's like a scarcity of some of these things. So, you know, if we think of Let's say Lularoe, for instance, with their leggings, they used to, you know, they'd have these special patterns and, oh, you know, short time you can only get this right now and try to to generate interest that way. And if you get involved now for this special discount, you can you can join and you know get all these benefits. So I think that is a lot of it, and and also just kind of recruitment through that that background lifestyle of, you know, you're not going to have to work full time. You can just Um, put some minimal effort in to get uh, maximum results. Uh, I think that's a kind of promise across the board. Organizations are really careful now um, because they have to do these kind of financial disclosures of, you know, results aren't typical, results may vary, uh, but a lot of people you will see will be referring to their finances and, and how they've been able to gain that freedom or gain those trips or other benefits that they're getting.
0: That's excellent. I I think I see that now and the ones that I worked in, you're not even allowed to say the name of the company anymore Mm -hmm. because it's a known MLM and people are from the Hey Girl era understand that if they see that name, then it's, it's that MLM. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, or if you looked at how they relate, but I really got into looking at MLMs because I'm obsessed with cults. <laughs> like completely obsessed with cults. I will listen, I will consume any media if Netflix knows, like they all know. If it has the word cult in it, I am watching it day one. Uh what are your thoughts on the the similarities between the two or do you have any?
2: Ooh, good question. I don't know that I have any specific I don't know that I have good enough references to cults <laughs> to be able to draw those similarities. I think Especially for military spouses, one of the things that I found was that people are also using military spouse loneliness as mm. a way to recruit people in. But and, you know, not to take agency away from the military spouses that are joining. There are military spouses that are joining, specifically with the intention to either support existing friends that they have or as a way to make new communities and and they want to be able to go in and and have those supports so you know I mean that could be as simple as someone going over to someone's essential oils party you know they'll hold little maker parties around the The holidays where you can put your essential oils in with your bath salts, and now you've got something cool. And it's an easy way to make friends. And and in doing that, you know they want to to support their new friends, and so they'll sign up in their downline, even if they don't really have an intention of fully working the business. But it is a way to to kind of create that community, and I think that can range from, you know, very genuine needs for friendship or or wants to you know involve people in your community to a little more predatory and I think that's probably where you'd see the most overlap with cults is trying to fill that that need for connection so I I think there is definitely some overlap there so I've seen with MLMs
1: personally in in the relationships that I have with people who have joined MLMs, and then also just in my odd little fascination with MLMs, listening to podcasts about them, just doing research, that they do seem to be predatory towards women, towards yes. women who are not working, who mm-hmm. are in areas where they can't find employment. <laughs> Jacksonville, North Carolina, <laughs> is a great example <laughs> of of a place like that, and so it's these rural, underdeveloped areas and women who are currently stay at home moms because they take a career break to take care of their children, which is something that is natural that happens. And, and so a lot of times when I see these women, I see these people who are really, really smart, like you said, bright, accomplished, and something happens. Maybe they're relocated to uh, a place where there aren't job opportunities, or they have some babies at home and they're taking a break and they're understimulated. Yes. And so they're seeking something to get them back to you know where they were before when they had that stimulating career. And I, I think Joanne and I have even had a conversation about how it's it's almost predatory because what they want is they want to be that girl boss, right? They want, to, they want to be working again and they can't because there's restrictions, you know, whether it's the location or just the stage of life that they're in. And so they're very vulnerable to these MLM recruitment tactics. So yes. I'd love to hear, did you do any studies on demographics? Is it majority women? <laughs> but like, yes. Can you speak specifically to military spouses or is there somebody at like corporate... MLM that shall not be named. It's like, how do we target the military spouses? Those are our bread and butter. Like what give us all the details? So the,
2: the big, I don't know if I'd call them a political group necessarily, but one of the big groups related to MLMs and direct sales, obviously, is the Direct Selling Association. And they do a lot of outreach to different Oh, goodness, what am I thinking? (laughs) I'm going to go back and start that one over again for editing purposes. So the, the Direct Selling Association will go out and talk to a lot of different political leaders. They will talk with a lot of different leaders of direct selling and MLM organizations. And they've kind of structured themselves in a way that's, you know, supposedly to help promote oversight, make sure that these organizations are not becoming predatory or or falling into the actual, like, pyramid scheme problem. But the problem with that is they also, as they're talking to these political leaders, they're preventing a lot of research from happening. They like to do their own internal research, but they're not going out. Um, and letting people do research into them so for instance we don't actually know how many military spouses are involved with mlms and there was i believe it was a senator from illinois if i'm correct a few years ago who tried to put in one of the defense authorization acts some language that would require them to do research into how many military spouses are in MLMs and what what it looks like uh, as far as impact on the military family. Because as you know, a lot of military members will have uh, security clearances and being in debt, it can be a national security issue. <laughs> um, and, you know, it can also be a mental health issue if you're deploying and you're losing money and you're stressed, like, what is that going to do um, for you and your unit? So... There's not a lot of research on that. Demographics-wise, we do know uh, that over three-quarters of people involved in multi-level marketing are in fact women. I don't know if there's exactly numbers on how many of them would be considered stay-at-home moms, how many, you know, had other careers and want to have this as a career or are trying to look for other things. So yeah, the the numbers around that are, are definitely skewed by by what these organizations put out. I mean, even when you have the financial disclosure stuff that comes out from the companies, they're definitely looking at interesting numbers. Let's just say that. It sounds
1: like this is a lobbying group. Yes, yes.
2: The Direct Selling Association is definitely a lobbying group and they're kind of their own self-policing institution, which doesn't always work.
1: Can we start a military spouse lobbying group? Like we need to like, be <laughs> lobbying for job opportunities so that we don't need to join MLMs. Exactly. So when you were doing your survey, was it spouses or just all the MLM-ers? Just
2: spouses. Yep. So we were looking for military spouses, male or female, that were involved in any type of direct sales like this.
1: And did you get feedback on what the motivation was for joining? Did you have any like data statistics? Yeah.
2: uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I basically found that in terms of reasons for people joining, there were two large categories that people ended up falling into. And the first category I had called experiencing life shifts. And so this was defined by people who were experiencing military moves, people who had children, and then also those who were going through kind of a period of self-reflection, kind of that what am I doing? What am I doing here? What do I want to do with my life? What purpose do I have? The second group was, and and they overlap too, they're not just totally separate groups, but the, the second category I found was people who were purchasing the products anyways. And they were doing so either because they wanted to support friends. Maybe it was out of self-interest. I can't remember what Beachbody just branded themselves to, but there's a lot of people who go into Beachbody because they, they want to get fit, they want to lose weight. And then there was kind of that continuing interest of stuff of maybe you had started using a product. Like I myself will occasionally use the Young living essential oils. I find that they're really good for sunburn, obviously. But so, so I will use some of those products for interest, for instance. And, you know, maybe they just want to keep up with that because they want a product discount.
1: I feel like Joanna, oh, I feel like Joanna and I can probably relate to the first one in that we were both going through some changes in our lives. And that's the podcast happened. And I could totally see. prior to the podcast being like, I need something to fulfill me. And, you know, if the right person had come along, had I not known about MLMs prior, I may have been vulnerable to that. Go ahead, Jenna.
0: Uh, No, I mean, that's, that's it. And I think that that's interesting that you say that, that it's that life change. I know uh, for me, it was, it was that I I like the products as well. And it was like a, a significant discount to sign on with the organization. And also I didn't have any quotas on sales, Yep, but I did get significant pressure from the upline to sign on more coaches and do whatever. And that wasn't, that wasn't my jam, Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to. And what I find interesting is that when I talk to people who are participating, I have a, I will not buy from an MLM process for myself. Like that's, that's a, a boundary that I have. So, you know, that has actually caused some rifts in some friendships. You're not supporting me. Mm-hmm. One one person, I, I don't speak with her anymore because she said, you know, you're not going to support a woman-owned business. And I said, I support lots of women-owned small businesses. You do not, you're not participating in a woman-owned small business. Yeah. So we're not friends anymore. Maybe she'll come around when that car salesperson stuff really kicks in and they're not paying the $499 towards her lease anymore, not that they did not buy her a car, <laughs> they paid for $499 towards a lease of a luxury vehicle, maybe that'll kick in. But for me personally, that's, that's a boundary that I have because I am susceptible to that and be, and being lonely, being a military spouse, we're constantly moving and trying to build community. Mm-hmm. I was super susceptible to that. And yeah. I had to check in with, other people in my community to help me um, disassociate with those organizations too, because they don't make it easy. Yeah. Oh, well, we're going to, okay, okay. Next month we'll give you $75 off instead of the $50. Just keep, just keep that on there and, and keep the $200 a month for a, a shake that yeah. we're, we're doing on your budget. So I find it super interesting that you were able to glean two main reasons people get in. Um, what else did you learn about what goes on when they're in there? What else did you ask? Or was was your research focused mostly on that entry point?
2: Well, once we got to the point of realizing like why military spouses were joining, I wanted to ask them, of course, about the the finances behind it. And I'm going to have to pull this up, some of the the numbers here, but it was... It was interesting to see what was on the financial disclosure statements, what you see on social media with the lifestyles that people promote when you're in this stuff, and then what the actual numbers were that were given to me. And so, again, as a bit of background, I had 237 military spouses in the survey that provided some sort of financial information or enough that I could link it back to their MLM. Not all of them finished the entire survey. It was a lot of questions, (laughs) but I did have 166 people who who fully completed the survey. And one of the interesting things that I had found was that right off the bat, the average annual income from MLM work was about $23,500. And I was like, that doesn't make sense with what we know about MLMs. The interesting thing there is if you go back to you know uh, elementary and middle school math and think of your mean, median, and mode, the average includes all of the numbers. So it includes the people that make a ton of money. And I had about 19 people that were statistically termi- determined to be outliers. And so their incomes ranged from like $40,000 a year to 900,000 a year. So you know, even if you look at the income disclosure statements, yes, there are some people that are making a lot of money. The, the person that I had talked to that was making a lot of money, they had been with their MLM for 17 years, and they had 35,000 people in their downline, a thousand of whom they had recruited personally. So they are making some sort of income off of every person in that downline, right? So the average was way skewed. So I removed those, those highest incomes. um, And then we looked at the, the median uh, annual income and that was only $1,800, which is still better than zero. And it's better than losing money. Um, But uh, based off of the hours that they were working, they were probably making about 1024 an hour on average. Um, As a point of comparison, uh, one of the things that I'd wanted to include in there was if you were a full-time 40 hour worker that was making federal minimum wage, they would be making about $15,000. So you're making less than a full-time minimum wage worker. And if you were a part-time, so 20 hours, they're still making, you know, 7500 ish annually. And there were a lot of these military spouses that were were working at least part-time and definitely not making the kind of money that you would even see from a $7.25 job. So that was really, I think, depressing to me, you know, knowing... People who are trying to put in all that money to kind of get this thing off the ground and seeing it not pay off was was really a bummer. And I think the financial thing as a whole was really depressing, too, because especially like the, the child care related thing. So I had a, a, one of the military spouses that I had interviewed had talked about the fact that she had left one of her jobs after she had a kid. Because she was basically just paying for childcare. That was what her job covered. And at the time, I don't think I fully appreciated that until I had a kid. We are currently stationed in Colorado Springs, and we have just recently a one year old. She just turned one. And childcare is so expensive. <laughs> and we get, you know, as an active duty family, in an area with really scarce child care on base, we get a, a stipend from the Air Force to help pay some of those costs. But it's it's so expensive and it's hard to find for a lot of spouses. And so that was why a lot of these spouses ended up leaving whatever other job that they held and and, and trying to work the multi-level marketing. And they still weren't making... The money, but they did have the flexibility, and that was another thing that a lot of military spouses said that they needed, as they were getting involved in multi-level marketing, is they needed something that meshed with their lifestyle as a military spouse. So it's portable, um, it's flexible. If you need to take off to you know, join the family readiness group, or if you need to be able to go to a spouse event, or even just see someone off for a deployment, you have the ability to do that, where you might not have it with a traditional job. But, but financially, I also found that a lot of military spouses didn't really know the state of their finances when it came to uh, the amount of money they were taking in. And uh, the amount of money that was going out towards buying products, because in some of these organizations, you do have to either personally spend a certain amount to be able to even access your paycheck, or you need to be able to have someone in your downline basically, you know, buy enough of that product to be able to to get cut a check. And some of them too have minimum amounts of like, oh, if you don't actually have you know, $100 worth of stuff, we're we're not going to cut you the check. And if you don't make that amount in X amount of time, then the money just goes away, which does nothing to enrich military spouses, but does everything to enrich these companies.
0: Absolutely, I hear that. And the amount of time and effort that it takes to understand all of those rules, and then to calculate that out into your family budget for an unstable amount of income is very difficult. And I think there's also a cost there, too, is that you may enter this community to build a community. But what you end up doing, especially in a market that becomes saturated with that particular product, is that you end up burning bridges. Yes. So you may recruit a friend or something like that, and then you end up having to put pressure on that person so that you can pay your bills. And I don't think that's a a great way to sustain a community. You, yeah. may, you may get some new friends. And I know I felt very disappointed with my upline who acted like a, a close friend. And then when it came down to it, just did not understand when I had a, a sick child that prevented me from focusing on anything but that particular sick child and not posting several times to social media and doing yeah. things. So yeah, that's it's, a, it's definitely a double-edged sword. The way that you enter in may not be the way that you leave. And I do feel like, and the reason I equate it to a cult is because when I talk to people about it, they don't understand those finances. So when I ask them a direct question about, okay, great. well, how much money are you making this month? There's 45 things that they have to tell me that are caveats or, well, if I do this, then this, and this, and this, and this, what if you don't do that? Okay. Well then you're not getting a paycheck or you can't access that money. And that's weird because if, you know, I was working for, um, a company from home, I, I would know that my paycheck was coming. I also find that people don't, I, I had a friend who said she's not in an MLM. And I said, well, do you have an upline? Do you have a downline? Do you, do you direct sell? Then you're in an MLM. Did you find people who were not willing to, I guess if they didn't reply, then they just didn't think they were in an MLM. Or did you have people maybe who cut off after a while because they just couldn't accept that?
2: I can't say for sure in the survey, but when I did my outreach to the military spouses to recruit them into the survey, I did get a lot of questions about what my intentions were. And to be clear, my intentions with this study were never to make anyone look like an idiot or feel like an idiot. And and to be honest, based on my research, I don't think the people that are joining MLMs are you know stupid or easily swayed by things I I think there's a lot of genuine reasons why you would join and I think there's a lot of genuine reasons why you can stay I really just want to make sure that when people are doing this that they're being kind of practical about what it is they're going to get out of it and what it is they're seeking um of course, there are people that join um, for kind of the quick cash um, and and they think it's going to be, you know, living the high life, easy street out here, trying to, you know, get get that money in. And <clears throat> I think it's, it's a lot harder than that, obviously, to make money because, again, 99.7% of people do not. But I, I did find a lot of military spouses were more practical than I thought they would be about it in terms of sometimes they they were just very upfront about the fact that like I use the products, I want the discount. And right now, you know, I'm not super actively selling and I don't, you know, recruit huge downlines, but I make just enough money to, to have that kind of passive income that covers my product usage or covers most of it there were some spouses that didn't necessarily have that understanding and we talked to you a little bit about thresholds like what would make you quit some people said you know if i lose a lot of money or lost a lot of money they would leave there were people who really kind of said there's nothing that's going to make me quit like <laughs> i just enjoy it it gives me something to do i get to you know I, the values that the company has aligns with the values that I have as a family. And some people were a little bit underwater on things too. One of the spouses that I had talked with, they were were selling clothing from a certain company. <laughs> we could probably guess. And I think they said they had about $20,000 worth of product sitting in their closets at home, some of which was not quite ready to be sold. It was not in a good condition, let's say. And so in some of those instances, it was like people thought they would be able to dig themselves out and and maybe they would. But for the most part, as long as their job or their their MLM work was meeting whatever specific need it was they had, they were fine with it. And that's Employment in general, like if, if you have a job that's meeting your needs and you feel like it aligns with your values and you feel like you get meaning out of it, you're more likely to stay as soon as it stops meeting those needs, whether it's your your financial needs, your flexibility needs, anything like that, like that's when you're going to leave.
1: So given my background in talent acquisition, and then just the fact that Joanne and I both mentor a lot of spouses around careers and employment, I feel like the but, but, but that keeps coming into my head is, is this something you can add to a resume? Is this experience that you can market to a future employer? And- is there something else that you could be doing that would provide that fulfillment? And I, I think the exception is that, like, if you're using this product and you just want to cover the cost of the product, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. Mm-hmm. If, if Lululemon, not Lululemon, but if Lululemon was an MLM, it, it would be, <laughs> I know, I'm not going to lie. I'm addicted to those, the lion leggings. But I, I just if there is anyone listening to this and they're, you know, looking at, you know, the the organization they're part of or considering joining another organization and they want fulfillment, they want community, they want that purpose that they had prior to whatever it is, you know, that's causing them to be now exploring an MLM. I just wonder, could you volunteer instead? Could you start a podcast? Could you do something that is teaching you a new skill and helping you grow professionally rather than, you know, going down this route with the mm-hmm. potential? That might come with it because 20 plus thousand dollars of merchandise that's ruined in your home. That's financially devastating. Yeah, I I know very few people who would not be, be financially devastated by that. It doesn't matter, you know, how much you're earning or your spouse is earning or, you know, that that's a huge chunk of money. And if you think about it, like that's a down payment on a home. That's Indeed. that's a car. Like, you know, that's that's getting your kid one day to college. That's braces. That's a lot of things. And and to prevent somebody from potentially going down that route, I just feel like I've got to say something. That's the the butt 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 that's going <laughs> on in my head.
2: Yeah. So it it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that some of the spouses indicated or as a reason for joining was to be able to access future professional opportunities. And some of that was meeting goals in terms of, you know, I want to get better at sales, so I'm going to try this out and see what happens. One of the military spouses that I talked to in my interviews was a, or currently is, a GS employee, and they're doing this on the side in part to be able to access some of the the learning opportunities and the the videos and the trainings that this company provides them. And I would also say though that their company is probably one of the <laughs> the better and more well-established ones out there in terms of not continually screwing over their employees and they're 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 pretty fair but they're also still an mlm (laughs) but and even just being able to like develop the the existing talents that you have for networking and kind of creating a challenge for yourself so i i think there are ways that you can leverage what certain mlms provide and if they're not providing developmental opportunities there were many military spouses that i talked to as well that said don't get involved if they're not providing you with professional development opportunities they're not supporting you and they're not trying to get you to move up and if the only way you can move up is by uh, adding people to your downline like something's something's wrong something's a little skeezy there that being said uh, you know as someone who is an io psychologist and consultant yeah it would be very difficult to put this onto a resume or a cv one, and be taken seriously, because I think the three of us on here, we're military spouses, so we know that sometimes needs must, and this is what you've got, and sometimes you're a docent, and sometimes, you know, you're doing what you can to to get that experience in, but if you are trying to to get a job out there as a military spouse, like what goes on your resume, can it can be difficult to get things that are meaningful to put on there, and I don't know that you'd want to to lead with MLMs, I think that would probably be a pretty poor decision because their reputations precede them. And everybody knows somebody who's been involved in an MLM.
0: Absolutely. And as a a business owner now, I can tell you that I did not own a business when I worked for the MLM. Now they told me I did, but was I generating financial statements? No. Was I doing a profit and loss at the end of the month? No, I wasn't doing that. Was I creating a budget and sticking to it? No, I wasn't. And I was actively discouraged from doing that because then it would show how much I was putting out and how much I could put in. They made it um, just purposefully opaque in that way. And so I think you brought up a, a few very important things to look out for, right? That sunk cost theory. You can always dig out. If you've lost $5,000, you've lost $5,000. Don't keep putting money in. You'll get up to 20. I want transparency. If somebody wants to recruit me into a business, I I recently had a, a partnership agreement come across my desk. If somebody wants to partner with me, if they want me to do business with them, then I want to see those financial statements. And so if Catherine is asking me to join her MLM, I want to see what your profit and loss was last month. Show that to me. How many people do you have in your downline? How long did it create, take you to create that? And how did you go about creating it? That's what I want to see. Because we if we all have the same friends, then you've already gotten my pool. I'm going to have to go outside that pool. What does the market look like? Like Chick-fil-A is not going to come to our town because it's too close to the next nice Chick-fil-A, unfortunately. <laughs> but you have to look at the saturation marks. And other businesses do that. But MLMs do not. No. They'll let neighbors set up the same business. So looking at that, looking at it like a business owner. And if you can meet all those things, and maybe there are some companies that can do that and tell you, you know, hey, no, you've got 25 people in this area. Thank you so much for your interest in our product, but we're not going to be able to do that for you. And I know there are some companies that do that, but not everyone does. I want to see who's in the market. So those are are great ways to kind of look at it. But from somebody who's researched this, what are some resources that we can give our audience to to look at that, maybe something easily that they can check out to, to do some check marks on how they're going to, if they decide to enter into a business in general?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, the things that could be utilized more often, especially for active duty or reserve spouses, is typically the military installation that you're, you're at will have some sort of financial counselor available for your use. And, And being able to get that financial literacy is so important. And having someone who can check to make sure that what you're doing is sound. You can even bring in a copy of, you know, the financial disclosure statements. You can bring in a copy of you know the paperwork that will show you how you may or may not get paid, and you can have someone look that over. Financial literacy, I think, is is probably the the biggest thing that you need to be aware of. Some of the military spouses that uh, earn more money will have separate bank accounts set up, so your finances your finances are not mixing with your spouse's finances, and they're also not like muddying the waters and making it so it looks like you're not losing money if everything's going into some sort of joint account. And I mean, I think that's that's the big one, being able to read things over, asking the person that you're potentially joining under what they're actually making. They should be able to be forward about that. You're entering into a partnership with them and and you need to know if they are making the same kind of money that their Instagram seems to be showing. The other thing too that I think military spouses need to get really active in is advocating for different things that will help you perhaps move away from multi-level marketing. If you have all these other options available to you and at the end of the day you want to get involved in an MLM, you do you. You are the one that's making these choices. But I think we need to be advocating for better childcare options. We need to be advocating for that availability. It needs to be cost friendly. Military spouses who are employed in other organizations. I know it's really easy to kind of look back and like laugh at the ones that are involved in the MLMs and how could you do this? But what is your organization doing to support military spouses? We don't need to be reliant always on like the quote unquote military friendly spouse or military spouse-friendly organizations. We need to look at our own organizations and see what are we doing for remote work? What are our flexibility policies? At ICF, I'm really blessed to be able to have that kind of support where when I pcs from New Mexico up to Colorado, they gave me some of the time that I needed to be able to kind of be flexible when the movers came and I could hop on this meeting, but I had someone else who could take over that meeting. I work remotely full time. Some organizations provide childcare help, even if you are not in a physical office, which is very helpful. Um, what can your organization do as far as transferring people to other offices if you're, you know, your organization's large enough? Um, again, what can they do for PCS supports for you? Um, and then also advocating for for government level supports for that. So some states now have FMLA adjacent policies where if you are moving with your spouse on orders, they can provide some financial assistance for you and you know make sure you have those job protections in place. Again, with child care access, making sure you have good, safe, funded child care and uh, also, you know, I, we didn't really get to touch on military spouses who are stationed overseas and the SOFA restrictions for them, but being able to, you know, provide jobs or find ways that organizations can partner with those overseas to make sure that they're not losing their government benefits like access to the commissary just because they want to keep working. I think I all of those things. things. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: sofa. Our, our episode with Beth Beth Conlin we'll be, we'll be out and burn it, it down. down. Oh oh my it Absolutely. I'm yeah. Totally we had a military,
2: one of the spouses I had talked with, she was a, a lawyer <laughs> and her spouse got moved to Italy. And it was like, she was able to work at the like photo studio in the BX. And that was like a part-time thing. And then they didn't need the photo studio in the BX. And then she Robert. just sat there and languished. <laughs> I mean,
0: and that's why we, that's why we have these conversations, right? I, and I think that going forward, maybe we will ask everybody what their most unique particular job was. But yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate everything that you have brought today. The, this was something that we absolutely wanted to talk about. And again, we, we place no judgment on anybody's choices. But what we're asking today and from the from the mouth of somebody who did her dissertation on this particular subject is that you look for that transparency, you treat this like a real business, you talk to a financial counselor. And if you are an active duty or reserve spouse, there are places right on base for you. And if you're not, let's work together to help each other out with that. Is there anything that we've missed that you'd like to discuss with the audience? And we've
2: talked about a lot. <laughs> I don't think so I think we we've, we've covered most of it and for anyone who's you know listening and and wants to reach out and learn more or uh, read through the dissertation document I have I can send you a huge 120 something page thing and I'm more than willing to talk about it
1: if I read yours and I don't read my spouse's, he he will never forgive me. It's (laughs) been years and I'm still like, yeah, we'll get to it. Absolutely. I'm I'm like, the war in Bosnia. I'm like, I want the MLM (laughs) dissertation. That sounds juicy. That's some data I will read. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of this knowledge with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was great. Thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of The Working Spouse Club. As always, if you'd like to learn more about today's guest and what we discussed, check out our episode notes. You'll find links there. You'll also find a link to Joanna's website, Green Zone Corporate Training. She's here to help you attract, hire, and retain military-connected staff, and she's fabulous at it. As well as a link to my website, The Spouse Solution. I'm here for you when it comes to direct hire placements of mid to senior level military spouses. Joanne and I would love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts, feel free to send them over to us. LinkedIn is a great place for that. If you're interested in joining us for an episode to talk about your professional journey as a military spouse, don't be shy in reaching out. And if you're an employer interested in hiring from this amazing community and want to talk about that as well, we'd love to connect with you. Be on the lookout for our next episode. We're looking forward to sharing another great guest with you soon.